spooky friends. This is John, your host of Dairyland Frights. And today I have a great episode. It combines two of my loves, beer and history. And it is the Lemp Family Mansion and Curse of the Lemp Family in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, before we get started, uh, I want to warn everybody, this is an R-rated episode, deals with suicide and death. Uh, so again, slip on your headphones, take the kids out of the room. If you're listening in your car and kids are in the car, you might want to listen to it later. So with that out of the way, let's get to the sources. So the first source uh, is Medium, the fascinating history of the Lemp family. Haunted Rooms, Lemp Mansion website, uh, the LempMansion.com website, and Haunted Mansions in the United States website. So, like I said, this combines beer and history. There's going to be a little more history than you're used to in our episodes, but I think you'll love it. It's really interesting to learn about the Lemp family. And if you live in St. Louis, Missouri, please send me some um Oh, email at dairylandfrights.com if you spend time there. Um, also, a little bit more about the Lemp family because I just loved it. I mean, there was so much great history and so much to learn. So let's get spooky. All right. So the history of the Lemp family. The Lemp family was America's first lager beer brewers. When John Adam Lemp arrived in St. Louis from Eschweg, Germany in 1838, he seemed no different from the thousands of our immigrants pouring into the gateway to the West during the first half of the 19th century. And the biggest thing, though, was Lemp was not a brewer. He didn't come in here to be a brewer at first. He was a grocery store owner. But he soon learned that, you know, it was kind of hard. But he wanted to do something a little different and he remembered from learning from his father in Germany how to make beer. So he started to do that and he had tremendous success and he soon realized that, oh, I'm going to forget about this grocery business. So what he did was in 1840, shortly after he got there, he opened a small brewery. Now, one thing I learned is there are these caves uh, underneath St. Louis. Um, and I didn't know that either. There's a system of caves. And one of the things was that's where they would keep the beer cold. Because as you know, when you drink a warm beer, it's horrible, right? So this is where the St. Louis beer brewing industry was born. And he enjoyed marvelous success. But Again, um, like I said, he had to deal with depression. And like I said, if you're dealing with depression like I am, please seek professional help. Obviously, they did not have that back in the early 1900s like we have today. So he actually took his own life. And, but he died a millionaire. So <laughs> interesting, right? Um, then his son, William J. Lemp, succeeded his father as the head of the brewery and soon built it into an industrial giant. He built this in 1864. This new plant was five, took up five city blocks and he enjoyed the lion's share of the brewing industry. And in 1870, 
at the height of their power, Lemp was by far the largest brewery in St. Louis, and the family symbolized wealth and power and nobility. And again, what they really, as you see here, was this was the height of them. And then like everything, maybe doesn't work out, right? So in 1892, the brewery was incorporated, the William J. Lemp Brewing Company. And that's where he married his wife, Lillian, the Lavender Lady. Remember that. The reason she was called this because she loved the, the color lavender and also the perfume smell of lavender. Now, thing about William, and I think this is kind of funny, he would show her off. Lillian was this beautiful woman. So he would show his wife off to everybody, you know, uh, and show that you know, everybody thought, though, well, you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You're born on third base. You know, this guy has everything. However, <laughs> he was a player. And I'll get to that a little bit later. He did some things that were not good uh, in a marriage. And his marriage was very, uh, well, extremely turbulent with Lillian. One of the other things William Lemp did uh, was he married his daughter, La uh, Hilda, later to Gustav Pabst. Yes, that Gustav Pabst of Pabst Blue Ribbon. If you're in Wisconsin, you know Plaps Blue Ribbon. And, of course, anywhere in the country, if you've drank it, yeah, it's that guy. So he was obviously in the Milwaukee Brewing family. And I think this is genius. This guy was not only at the height of his career. Mary had a beautiful wife, beautiful daughters. He also had uh, four sons. He's at the height of his life. I mean, it's just everything that could go right is going right. And that's usually when the carpet is pulled out from underneath your feet, as they say. So, like I said, as I said earlier, he has this brewery under supervision, became the largest in the country. Now, I didn't know that. I thought there was other breweries that were largest. I knew like Schlitz, Paps Blue Ribbon. Um, I know Schlitz for a while was, was big in the Midwest. However, this is when things started to go wrong for him and his family. So he, like I said, he had four sons and one of his sons uh, earlier in, uh, in his life, in his, he was just in his twenties. So, you know, had significant health problems and he died of heart failure. Okay. Now, one of the other things too was William did not help his life either because he was a partier and a player as they say. And what he would do is he would have these extravagant parties in the caves underneath the brewery where he would bring in prostitutes and drugs, and they would have these just crazy wild parties. Well, <clears throat> one of the things he did was he had an affair with a prostitute and had a child. Now, again, this isn't uh, very nice to say, but his child had Down syndrome and People used to call him monkey boy, uh, which is really sad. Now, how do you know this? Because a lot of stories, you know, they make up, uh, you know, kind of weird tales about a, about a child. Um, this child also was chained in the attic, was kept in the attic, kept away from everyone. That's how 
embarrassed he was of his um, Down syndrome son, which is horrible. And a, a former nanny and chauffeur who were interviewed by an historian in St. Louis confirm the existence of the boy. So, again, this is just super tragic. Then in 1906, William Jr.'s mother died of cancer. And also that year, some of the largest breweries combined, independent breweries combined, creating competition for the Lemp Brewery. Then in 1908, William divorced his wife Lillian, and they should have probably divorced a lot sooner because uh, they had just this terrible marriage where they fought all the time. And, and again, like he would have affairs. It, it, he was just not a good guy. Their son, William Lemp III, um, she took her son with her and she just left the public eye. Nobody knows what happened to her. She just left um, and just kind of disappeared with her son, William Lemp III. Now, by the time World War I was happening, the brewery lost money and the equipment was going bad. So, like I said, he has competition, divorce, his mom dies of cancer, his son dies of heart failure. William Jr. began to retreat more to the country home he had built in 1915, and he married Ellie Limber. Now, in 1919, Prohibition started to become bigger, and the Lemp family members were wealthy enough that they just lost interest in making beer and keeping the brewery. And I guess that's a nice problem to have, but giving up hope, you know, that Prohibition would be repealed. So a lot of people thought Prohibition would, would keep going, which, thank God it didn't, <laughs> because that would be horrible if you can't have a cold beer in a summer day. So. What William Jr. did was he shut down the Lemp Brewery uh, in 1919, and he didn't give notice to his employees. He just came in and said, ah, we're done. Everybody go home. And maybe say, yeah, I deserve it. Now, on March 20th, 1920, William Jr.'s sister, Elsa Lamp, shot herself, um, and it was due to a bad marriage. Uh, which, again, is very sad. And then William Jr., you know, began to sell his assets of the plant. And in 1922, he sold to Falstaff, uh, another brewer, and Joseph Grajdake, I think, for $25,000. It was sub subsequently known as the Falstaff Brewing Company. Now, before pr Prohibition, the estimated worth of the brewery now get this seven million dollars that's a lot of money back in those days and then once they took it over and and they sold the the building they sold it to an international shoe company for five hundred eighty eight thousand dollars so he, he sold the assets of the plant got some pretty good money for it but the building the brewery not much so all of it was worth millions. He got basically pennies on the dollar. So William Jr. obviously <laughs> followed into depression. And of note, the $588,000 in 1922 is equivalent to the purchasing power of over $10 million today. 
So in other words, this shoe company got a heck of a deal. I just think it's kind of interesting to share that. And like his father and his sister, William Jr. shot himself on December 29th, 1922. The other thing to let you know, he shot his dog too. Why would he shoot him and his dog? I have no idea. But again, this guy was going through a lot. And, uh, you know, the curse, obviously, I think had something to do with it because there is something going wrong here. So his brother Charles was never involved in the brewery business, which I thought was super interesting. He did remodel the mansion into a residence again and lived there with a couple of servants and the legitimate, illegitimate child of William Jr. Apparently, as Charles aged, he developed a fear of germs associated with excessive compulsive behavior. And I thought it was really interesting. Through some research, I found out Charles took pity on the, the boy, um, the illegitimate son, and no, did not keep him in an attic or anything. You know, kept him, you know, close and everything. And they, they bonded as friends. Not too much into that other than, you know, Charles didn't seem much as a monster as his brother William was. Now, in 1943, at the age of 42, William Lemp III died of a heart attack. So it's either cancer, heart attack, shot yourself, um, then also William's illegitimate son died. And it is a little sad to learn that although he's buried in the family's plot, the Lemp family plot, he only has a small marker with the word Lemp. So this poor boy with Down syndrome, sure, he's buried with the Lemp family, but he's just a small marker. He doesn't even have his full name. He says Lemp. Now, one of the things, too, is after the son died, Charles Lemp was the last living Lemp to live in the mansion. He lived in the mansion with a married couple who were also his servants. And on May 10th, 1949, guess what? He shot himself in the head, and he shot his dog, too. I don't know what's going on with shooting yourself in the head and, and shooting your dog. That's just strange to me. But anyway, his brother Edwin also lived a life of seclusion at an estate in Kirkwood, Kirkwood, Missouri. And he removed himself from the brewery in 1913. And he quietly passed away at the age of 90 from natural causes. Thank goodness, Edwin. <laughs> you must have done the smart thing. You must have just said, I'm not getting a dog. I'm not getting a gun. I'm not getting involved in this stuff. The heck with you guys. I'm getting out of here because there's something going on with you people. Now, this is, but hold on, because this is really weird. So Edwin, unfortunately to his wishes, he had his butler burn all his paintings that the Lemps had collected throughout his life, as well as priceless Lemp family documents and artifacts. And these are irreplaceable pieces of history that vanish in a blaze smoke fire so what was really weird is is like this there was something bella fontaine cemetery in st louis missouri so uh, if you ever want to check it out and just see that little limp marker for that poor kid and just terrible anyway as you see <laughs> really terrible uh you know family life and if you believe they were cursed 
Uh, I do. I mean, because this is just horrible. So let's get to the paranormal history. So the house built in 1866, the Lemp Mansion is located at 3322 Demian Place, St. Louis, Missouri. And it's gone uh, under several renovations and has lost most of its ornate charm. And I'll put some pictures of it um, on our, our social media sites and take a look how beautiful it was. And it is thought that it's still inhabited by the de dead Lemp family members. Like I said, many of them who committed suicide in the residence. So local legend says that the mansion is haunted by the people who used to live there, obviously. And it's been included in Life's Magazine's Most Haunted Hotels in America. It is said that one of William's previous owners and sons, Zeke, and uh, I forgot to mention his name, Zeke, who was born, like I said, with Down syndrome, like I said, he was hidden from the public in the attic. So he is still seen in the house today. And people say that they will like look back at the house. And there's like a window in the attic, you know, some of these old homes, and you can see the monkey, monkey boy face look back at you, this poor kid. So various residents of the mansion have complained about hearing ghostly knocks and phantom footsteps. Because of these stories, it is very hard to find tenants who, when the mansion was turned into a boarding house. So everyone would just basically leave, you know. And like I said, it's been through several renovations. Those contractors were working on the mansion. While contractors were working on the mansion renovation, workers complained about strange sounds, apparitions, their tools disappearing, and strange feelings of constantly being watched by unseen eyes. So a lot of workers, like I said, just they just left. They just, you know, this is common in most stories. And you got to understand, these guys are construction guys. These are tough guys, you know. Uh, I work construction for a little bit. These are not wimps. <laughs> they've seen a lot and they've talked about a lot and been through a lot. So for them to be like, the heck with this, I'm out of here and leave, you know, it, it must be scary. So current employees of the Lemp Mansion have reported strange experiences, including voices and apparitions. Glasses in the bar reported to fly off shelves by themselves. Doors lock and unlock by themselves and lights turn on and off. Now, this to me is really scary um, because that involves intelligent haunting. And I've never seen that. But if you have seen it, again, like dairylandfrights at gmail.com, I think that'd be frightening. You're in a room and the lights suddenly go off. Yeah, that's kind of spooky. Now, one of the things that really happened was in 1975, Dick Pointer and his family bought the mansion. And the mansion became an opportunity. Renovations began to revitalize it into an inn and a restaurant, which it still is today. Of course, as with other stories I've read about haunted buildings, this too had workers making claims of odd things and strange noise. A lot of them, again, stopped working, just left. Now, since the restaurant opened, staff members have reported several strange experiences. Apparitions appear and then quickly vanish. Voices and sounds come from nowhere, and glasses will often lift off the bar, flying through the air by themselves. On other occasions, doors, like I said, are to lock and unlock by themselves. Lights will turn on and off. And now, 
the piano in the bar will just play by itself. So I just am like, yeah, that would that would suck. And one of the things too uh, is again keeping people, keeping workers there. So one of the stories here um, from some of the people who worked there said one night while closing, two keys were played on the piano. The employees responsible for closing for that night searched the home and came up empty-handed. A candle on the mantel has lit on its own. A drawer of the dresser that belonged to the lamps opens of its own accord. Objects disappear and reappear in different locations. Soft, disembodied voices can be heard. And the clip-clop of horse hooves coming up the street have been regularly reported. So just know that this to me would be very scary to work there to see glasses and stuff fly off shelves like i said and now you got horses okay <laughs> multiple people have reported experienced an exceptionally intense feeling of being watched oh and once pointer's son um dick pointer's son was sleeping alone in the home and his, his dog heard a loud bang and woke him up then too just outside the bedroom door. He searched the entire house and found nothing. So again, if you've been in the Lemp family mansion and ate there or worked there, please, dairylandfrights at gmail.com. I'd love to learn more. And supposedly there are areas where there are the most activity in the mansion. The stairway to the attic where William Jr.'s illegitimate son was kept, and oddly enough, the basement has been referred as the gates of hell so again one of the episodes of hummel park i did they have the gates of hell there now we got more gates of hell like how many places have gates of hell people and the recall that the basement again has caves underneath there uh underneath the mansion and brewery so i, I would love to go under there and check that out and like i said people when they come there, they um, see the face of the illegitimate son looking at them outside the attic window. And also, ghost investigators who have been in there and have left toys uh, for his illegitimate, William's illegitimate son, um, says they'll come back and they're, they're, they're found somewhere else. Now, this one <laughs> is a little bit nerve-wracking for the women out there. Uh, then the woman's bathroom downstairs is said to be where William Jr., the womanizer, party guy, uh, would go because it had a shower in it. And allegedly women have said they have seen a man peeking over the stall. So <laughs> you're just trying to go to the bathroom, and all of a sudden, this ghostly face peeks over you. Oh, and that's when you're in your mouth, you know, <laughs> vulnerable, right? Like, hey! <laughs> My God, I'm like, ah, what am I going to do? Um, now, while William Sr. killed himself, he apparently locked the door. So William Jr. could not run up the stairs um, and, and see this. But one of the things they said William Jr. did was kick open the door. So guests have said they will hear someone running up the stairs and kicking at a door, like, you know, uh, early in the morning and everything. The pointers, who again said they have lost a fair, like uh, obviously a fair amount of employees due to the unexplained phenomena, but still run the inn to the best of their ability, inviting visitors to spend the night 
and dine amongst the spirits of the deceased members of the Lemp family. And it's no surprise that ghost hunters come to the mansion to investigate it. The mansion houses a bed and breakfast, you know, a mystery dinner theater. <laughs> that must be great. And a fine dining restaurant. And like I said, they have available tours. It's called the Lemp Family Experience, which again, I'll put the lempfamilymansion.com where you can take a look at it and where you can search for paranormal activity. They're pretty, pretty open for it. So this is kind of funny. I found this story. Uh, in 1983, Steve and DC, two radio disc jockeys from KWK, hey, KWK, where the rock never stops, held a Halloween broadcast from the Lemp Mansion. They asked the most basic question of the paranormal invest uh, of any paranormal investigators: "Is anyone with us?" After asking the question, their microphones picked up an EVP that said, "I am Zeke." Remember Zeke is the Down syndrome boy who left in the attic. According to, and like I said, according to myth, uh, that his mother was a prostitute. And and one of the things too, he um, would come downstairs. I read another story where uh, Zeke would come downstairs and like scare people. Now, not legitimately scare people, but so there are sources where people have said that they will be sitting there, you know, waiting in the hallway or wherever, and they'll see like this boy or a shadow of a boy coming walking downstairs. And so, ugh, really, really scary stuff. So, now one of my favorite is times of the episode is mildly scary tales of Reddit. Okay. So here's some tales from Reddit that I got uh, that I got for the Lemp Mansion. So I've spent the night in the Lavender Room twice. That is Lillian, um, William uh, Jr.'s wife. The first time I didn't sleep due to the sound of 55. You know what that is? But I kept. I mean, that's his age. But I kept feeling the covers get pulled off down by my feet. The second time as I was going to sleep, I started smelling perfume. I could feel it in my nose like someone was spraying it next to me. Even if you don't experience anything in the house, it is beautiful. So that's crazy. You know, how <laughs> smelling perfume. Um, and also if somebody tried to take the sheets off your bed. The next story, spend the night there a few times in the early 2000s. I had a strange experience each time. My friend and I were the only ones staying. We stayed in the room at the top of the steps. I can't remember if it was Charles or William's room, but we arrived sometime in the evening. The staff was still there, finishing in the kitchen from the restaurant. We decided to take a nap, knowing we'd be up all night exploring. So these are ghost hunters. I don't remember how, but we woke up a couple hours later and heard music. We thought it was from the kitchen staff. If you're unfamiliar, there's a spiral staircase on the side, and you can see straight down to the kitchen. Well, all the lights were on, were off, and no one was there. We were the only guests. We figured out the music was coming from the lavender room. Again, Lillian's room. All the doors were locked. It was an older song on the radio. The oldest stations that at the time music played music from the 60s. Each room had a small stereo, and that was a source. 
The crazy thing was we went back to our room and asked the Ouija board. Oh boy. Again, Ouija board, please don't use Ouija boards. And if you do remember, say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> All right. So they went back and the Ouija board, we asked if anyone's in the room. And we had a feeling nothing happened on the Ouija board. Mm, thank good. But we had a feeling of dread and being feeling sick. I needed to GTFO, <laughs> leave fast. And I've experienced other stuff, mostly sounds, but I would never blank FC you whatever with the Ouija board again. So again, this is another story. Don't mess with the Ouija board. It's not good to do. And if you do, just hit goodbye. So last one. I spent the night at the Lamp Mansion a couple years ago and had a blast. I'm a skeptic who finds fun to dabble and stuff like this. And the experience did not disappoint. We were waking up by the sound sleep by what? We don't know. The light in our room slowly dimming on and off, even though there was no dimmer switch in the room, much less anyone else but us. And so I'll post some amazing orb pics if anyone is interested. Uh, I looked at the orb pics. Yeah, it's probably dust. Um, orbs are really hard. If, if Just explaining here to the audience. So orbs are usually spirits that. Um, uh, float around the room, you know. I, I kind of have a big issue with orbs because I there's not be any proof to me that you know orbs are intelligent, but there are some interesting, let's just say some pictures and video out there of orbs. So if you have any experiences in the lamp house, please dearlandfrights at gmail.com. I, I would love to hear them. I mean, this is such a tragic story of what happened to this family. I mean, at the height of their power, having everything going for them, and then everything's taken away. So next week is going to be fun. We are going, since we're in full summer mode now, uh, and camping is all the rave, I want to talk about some of the spookiest campsites out there and camping stories. So, again, if you have a spooky camping story, dairylandfrights at gmail.com. Please send that to me. I will be posting some scary camping sites and everything. And, and you know, I just like to hear. I, I used to go camping quite a bit. Um, uh, it is crazy out there uh, sometimes because, you, again, you're not used to that and all the noises that go along with it. So. Tell your ghost we said hi, and and don't, you know, don't try to make beer in a cave or anything like that. You know, if you are going to make beer and, and your own brewery, just make sure, you know, don't be cursed or anything. And I hope it works out for you. And remember to tell your ghost again. We said hi, because that's important. Because if you're not doing it, you know, you might get mean or she might get mean. But remember to hit subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to Dairyland Fright, and rate us five stars because so we can please continue to have fun. Like I said, I will continue to have some guests on the podcast, like Courtney I had from Haunts. I also have a special guest coming up that I'm really excited to be on there. So remember, give me your spooky stories, scary stories. 
and stay spooky.